Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Bookshop Podcast. I'm Mandy Jackson-Beverly. Join me as I speak with authors and other guests who specialize in subjects dear to my heart, the humanities and our environment. To help the show reach more people, please consider sharing with friends and family and on social media. And remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. You're listening to episode 149. Annabelle Monaghan grew up in Los Angeles and attended Duke University where she studied English. She has an MBA from the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania and has had a brief history as an investment banker. She also taught novel writing at the Writing Institute at Sarah Lawrence College and now lives in the suburbs of New York City with her husband, three sons, and a little dog who sheds. Annabelle's latest book is Nora Goes Off Script. Hi, Annabelle, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you. I am thrilled to be here. And you are a Southern California girl living in New York. How long have you lived on the East Coast? I went to college when I was 17, and I have not been back. I mean, of course, I visit all the time. All of my relatives are in California. Um, But I took a job out of college in New York, and then I thought I'd stay a little longer, and then I went to graduate school, and then I met my husband, and I've just not been able to figure out how to get back to California. Uh, I know that feeling well. The same thing happened to me, except it was Australia and England and Los Angeles. I think once you meet your partner and they have ties to the area, it's difficult to keep moving. And and then you plant your roots. I mean, I've just, I've gotten used to the seasons. I've gotten used to just a lot of things about the East Coast. And my, this is all my children know. So um, here I am in New York. Well, that's a pretty nice place to be. Now, let's begin with learning about you and what you were doing before becoming a writer. So I I have a crazy story, really, path to becoming a writer that I wouldn't recommend to anyone. Um, I always wanted to be a writer from when I was a little kid. And I went to college and I was an English major and I took all the writing classes and was preparing for a lifetime as a writer. And then when I was a senior in college, all of my friends were moving to New York And that required food and shelter and money. And I just wonder, like, how do people start out being novelists? You have to do something else. So I got a job at a bank and I worked there. I worked on Wall Street for a couple of years. And that was sort of interesting. I I mean, it wasn't something I was cut out for at all. But then I went to business school because that's what you do after you work at a bank. And I got an MBA in finance and I met my husband and we moved back to New York and I got a job in investment banking and It was just like, you've never heard of a person so far off track from who they are. And then after a couple of years of working in banking, I had a baby and I quit. So I was home with children and I did not start writing until I was 37 years old, which is sort of old to start something. Oh, I don't know about that. I know of a lot of people who have switched up their careers into something more creative in their 50s, 60s, 70s, even 80s. But what I find unique about what you did is the juxtaposition of math and writing. And both of those things are actually very interesting to me. One of them is very easy for me. One of them is very hard. So I love numbers, but I have to sit alone with numbers to concentrate. I mean, it does not come easily to me. 
And I admire anyone who can work with numbers because the way I see it, mathematics is a language of its own and it's not a subject that's orbiting in my universe. (laughs) And I can tell you my husband would absolutely agree with me. Okay, now before you wrote your debut adult novel, Nora Goes Off Script, you wrote young adult fiction and you also wrote a book of essays for mums. So what prompted you to go from writing YA to adult fiction? You know, I don't know if anything prompted it, except that I was ready. I think I wrote the digit books when I was 39, 40. And I think at that point in just my development as a person, I was ready to talk about what it is to be a 17-year-old girl. I was far enough enough away from being a 17-year-old girl that I could write sort of that experience And that was very fun. It was very fun to write those novels. She's a math genius. And I just, that was all fun. And then while I was waiting for those books to come out, I started writing my column, which is basically for moms. It's everyday ha-has about just the madness of, you know, running a household and raising children and being married. And I think that that column morphed into my writing this novel about a woman and her family and coping with raising children. I think I think I was just finally ready when I wrote that book to talk about what it is really in my own life that I'm doing. Yeah, timing is everything. And I love the way that in fiction, writers often pull from their own lives. Yeah. And all stories begin with an idea. So what idea brought Nora Goes Off Script to life? You know, I'd been thinking about her for a while. I in 2019, I was stuck in bed for a little while. And I got hooked on the Hallmark Channel. You know, you just start watching one of those made-for-TV romances. And then the next thing you know, you've watched three of them. And I was thinking, as I was watching them, I'm like, wait, didn't I just see this one? It's the same story. But she was in Chicago. She was a ballet dancer. Now she has a cupcake shop and Akron. You know, it's just all this same story. And I became fascinated by these romance stories. And at one point, I started waiting until the credits rolled so that I could see who wrote these movies. Like, is it is it just one guy who writes them all? Or is it, a, you know, a committee of people around a conference table? I, I just couldn't really get my head around it. And I just thought, started thinking, what if the person who wrote these movies had never been in love? And that's where Nora came from. She's a person who sort of, you know, she writes these movies with a little detachment and a little bit of eye rolling because she's never had that experience. And so I just thought, wouldn't it be fun to take that person and put her through the lightning bolts of a huge romance? And why not do it with the sexiest man alive, a movie star? So that's what she came from. You know, I'm always looking for threads that pull people together and what I find most interesting about their lives. And by looking at your life, you kind of went off your own script, right? When you went from wanting to be a writer to getting more into accounting and mathematics, which is what your young adult books are about, right? The Digit series. And then you find yourself stuck in bed and you're flicking through movies and you have this moment of realization about writing a story. And what I love about these moments is they are synchronistic moments. Every moment weaves our own story or our own script together. And if you weren't stuck in that bed, flicking around, watching romance movies, Nora Goes Off Script would never have evolved. 
And that's what I love about human nature. That's what I love about being human, I guess. I just love all these little threads that weave our story together. And we're completely in the dark about it. I love that you say that. It's so wonderful. And I, I find that one of the most joyful things about being a little bit older than I used to be is that I see my life as a whole. And I see all the things that felt like they could have possibly been a waste of time were such a gift. And everything builds on something else. And, you know, people often ask the question, you know, if you could go back and tell your young, give your younger self some advice, I always think I wouldn't tell my younger self anything. Just keep on keeping on because all the mistakes, you know, the illness, that whatever it is, there's just like some beauty that's going to come out of it. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know about you, but I know young Mandy wouldn't have listened to older Mandy. <laughs> that would not have been a story she'd wanted to hear. And speaking of stories, can you give us a short synopsis of Nora Goes Off Script? So Nora is a made-for-television romance writer, think the Hallmark Channel, and she has been supporting her horrible husband, who does not contribute uh, for 10 years and with her two children writing these movies. And he leaves her and she writes a more serious movie about their divorce just to sort of get it off her chest. And that movie is picked up as a major film and they film part of it on location at her house. And the man who plays her husband in the movie, the former sexiest man alive, she falls in love with him. So there, it's about, you know, he, he knows everything that's happened to her because of course he's read the script and they end up having this relationship. And the story goes on to, um, the thing that's a little bit different about it is that she is a single mother. She has two little kids at home. So it's a lot about motherhood and how that sort of seeps into all the other facets of your life. You know, when I would have the two of the Leo and, and Nora in a scene, the children are always walking in the room. So it, it sort of became that it wasn't just her heart at stake in this relationship. It was the children's hearts as well. So it, it's also very much a family story. And I'm going to add, it's a perfect summer read. Oh, I hope so. Uh, from your lips to God's ears. I hope so. Oh, it's a fun story. I'm sure it's going to do very, very well. Now, I want to talk about men because you have three sons and I have two sons who are now grown men. But I remember when they were young, I'd put a candle on the dinner table and within seconds, one of the boys would have blown it out and was playing with the wax. <laughs> I know, in retrospect, it's funny, right? But when these moments started happening, you know, multiple times daily, I began wondering, how do I keep my femininity alive in this house? It was just crazy. So I'd say to myself, okay, the next cat, the next dog, the next bunny, or the next pet bird or fish is going to be a female. And of course, that always end up being another male. So I have a question. How do you go about keeping femininity alive in your household with three sons? Do you ever think about this? Um, uh, just all the time. I only think about that all the time. And I grew up with a lot of women. For the most part, was, my mother was a single mother and it was my, my sister and me in the home. And so we were all just, you know, what are we going to wear? That was, some, that was what we talked about. Um, I live in a household of people who do not care what they wear, what I wear. I set the table in a lovely way for a holiday, no one notices. 
I polish up my grandmother's gravy boat and present it like it's you know, some sort of spiritual offering. What's that? Um, so I, uh, and I also just, I got a dog a few years ago. I got back from the shelter and I was like, did I just get a male dog? <laughs> I cannot believe it. But what I try to do is just to keep, because I don't want to live in a fraternity house. Um, so I, I sort of lean towards my grandmother's things, like, you know, sitting down to dinner, uh, cloth napkins, which are just as easy as paper napkins, actually you have to do the laundry anyways. Um, you know, just sort of rituals of tradition uh, that keep us all in line so that we're not just like eating a bag of chips in front of the television. Because that could that could certainly happen. And I remember whenever there were flowers in the house, someone would be allergic to them, so they'd have to be put outside. Or if I lit incense, more often than not, someone would come in and say, what's that awful smell? <laughs> and they're suspicious. If you put makeup on, they're suspicious. What are you doing? Yes, exactly. And that never changes. Okay, so let's get back to you and writing. What have you learned about yourself through the craft of writing? And how has being an author changed the way you see the world? Oh, I love that question. I think that I have, oh, I, I think in stories. Um, and like you, I try to, I, I connect. So I, someone says something to me and it reminds me of something else. And I, I connect those things together. I think that without writing, that would drive me crazy. So being a writer and particularly writing a regular column, it, it's it's just like processing all those thoughts that are coming through your mind that you're dying to assemble um, in a really satisfying way. Uh, I don't know what I would do with all those thoughts if I, if I couldn't put them in story. Um, the other thing is I think that it has made me, I'm not such a compassionate person, but a more compassionate person to just looking at the human condition. Um, because when you're writing, you know, heroines and you're writing villains, there's a lot of gray area there. You never have somebody who's all good. You never have somebody who's all bad. Um, and I think that thinking about characters in that way gives me a way to interact with people where I think, you know, that was a terrible thing to say that they just said, but here's the other side of that. I do like fiction that moves in the gray area. And I think that, you know, we, we all sort of need to be in the gray area too. So we can see both sides of things. Yes, that is so true. And I often think to myself, when did we become so blinded by white and black that we can no longer talk about the gray? I mean, when did that happen? I sort of remember when it happened, but. Yeah. I mean, there was that big thing in 2016 here in the United States. Yes, that big thing, that big thing. But I do think it's very difficult, and I think it's actually a much happier way to get through life, uh, knowing that every person you interact with has all the stuff in them, and we're all just doing the best we can, good and bad. Yes, we are. You know, when I taught art and theater, kids were often hesitant to start, to pick up a paintbrush or step foot on a stage. And I used to say to them in the art room, Everything you're feeling inside is better out than in. So put it on a canvas or put those emotions into a character who you're playing the part of. Because I think the arts are where we learn empathy. And if we don't have empathy or we don't have the arts and humanities in our school curriculums from elementary school all the way up through high school, 
then we are not doing humanity any favors because we've taken away the thread these kids can grab onto to learn empathy. And it's vital for society to have empathy. Wow. Wow. I think it's, I think it's incredibly important. And if you, if you think about, you know, how anxious our children are right now at school and, you know, just in general, they need someplace to get all this stuff out and writing and art, that would be a great place to start. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Okay, Annabelle, you're in the middle of a book tour. How does it feel going out into the book touring world and back into bookshops and libraries? Oh, it just, it feels incredible. It really, um, I am, you know, when one person walks up to you and says, wow, I really loved your book. I I can't, I'm I'm talking about one person. I don't mean, you know, the world needs to love your book. Just one person. It, it hits you right at your heart because of course that book came from your heart. Um, So to be out there and talking to be, to people about this thing that you made, I mean, it's, well, frankly, to be anywhere outside of my house feels pretty epic. Um, but to be just like the smell of the bookstore and the podium at the library, I mean, oh, just it's, it's glorious. Oh, I bet it is. There's nothing better than being surrounded by books and people who love stories. It's great. I would love to hear about your publishing journey from your first finished manuscript and agent to a publishing deal. Okay. I will tell you this story. So I published my first book in uh, 2007 um, with my friend Elizabeth Wolf. We wrote a nonfiction book together about positive thinking for teenage girls. Honestly, if 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 I if I gave advice to boys, someone would lock me up. I don't I don't understand them. <laughs> I don't. I just make your bed. I, I don't know. I don't know what the advice is for them. <laughs> So yes, so we wrote this book. And at the time, my niece, who's now 30, was had a high school internship with a literary agent. And she showed it to the literary agent and she picked us up. So my advice to you is be exceptionally lucky. That That's what happened to us. Um, and then she sold it to Simon & Schuster. And that was, I mean, really very exciting for us. Um, but I really wanted to write fiction. And so a few years later, with the same agent, um, I sold A Girl Named Digit and then the sequel Double Digit to Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. And that was terrific. So that was a long time. A decade passed. Um, and during quarantine, uh, the initial quarantine of 2020, I started writing Nora Goes Off Script. And I don't know if you remember, but we weren't quite sure that the world was a going concern at that point. You know, it was very like, you know, you could write like no one was reading because who cares? I don't even know what was going to happen. So I wrote this book and I sent it to my agent and she said, oh, great, I'll have a look. And then six months went by and she didn't read it. And I got, I had that feeling like, you know, when you you call someone and you say, oh, I've got big news, call me back. And they don't call you back. (laughs) I was just like, oh. This is a weird feeling. So I had my children read it. I paid them money and they read it. And I, I paid them each $100 and they liked it. And then my husband liked it. And I said, well, so what's happening? So I gave it to a couple of my writer friends and they liked it. And so I sent it to my friend's agent and she picked it up. So now I have a new agent and she sent it out over Valentine's Day weekend And 
the first day, there was a lot of interest. And then my editor at Putnam Books made a preemptive offer, which means I'm going to give you more money so that you don't shop it around anymore. And what she doesn't know is that I would have gone with her anyways. She's an actual genius. I would follow her to the ends of the earth for free. Hopefully she doesn't listen. So anyway, so she picked it up and then all my dreams came true. That was, that's the whole story. Yeah. It was just such a happy feeling and, and happened sort of easily once it started happening. We talked earlier about the threads in our lives that pull our personal stories together, but the other piece of magic is timing. We spend so much time worrying about what if someone doesn't like this or that, but in truth, we don't know what's going on in everyone else's lives. And for you, the timing meant that the right person picked up your manuscript at the perfect time. Yeah, that is so wise. It wasn't time yet. And I think it's so important when you are stuck in the waiting place in your life, there's nothing worse, right? Like nothing's happening. You're waiting for something to happen. You're second guessing yourself. Gosh, it is so funny. I Once I was visiting my sister and she had a post-it on her, um, right by her telephone, it's back when we had a wall phone. And it said, just you wait. And every time I saw it, I thought, oh, like, what a what a fantastic thing, like inspiration. Turns out it was the title of a book or something. It was it she wasn't an inspirational message for herself. But I always think about that. Like when you're stuck, it's coming. Just wait. I love that. I may have to stick that on a sticky note on my own wall. Annabelle, what are you currently reading? Oh, I'm reading right now. It just came out this week, um, On Gin Lane by Brooke Lee Foster. Uh, and it's historical fiction that takes place in the Hamptons, and it's really fun. Highly recommend. And I'll make sure to put a link to that book in the show notes. I'm impressed with the amount of books that have come out over the last couple of years written by young women, and I'm talking in their 20s and 30s. For instance, Ireland is pumping books out by women in that age group, and they're fantastic and these women are way more together than I ever was in my 20s. I find it so fascinating when young people have so much depth that they can draw on. When I was 30, I was a hot mess. I, I, didn't, I couldn't have told you a story. I couldn't have made you a meatloaf. I just couldn't have, didn't have it together. And I find it so fascinating when I read a book that just, you know, takes my soul to the next level. And then I look at the picture and the person's not old enough to have children. (laughs) Yeah, these young creatives give me hope. Yeah, it's wonderful. And Annabelle, is there a book apart from your own that you'd like to see more people reading? You know, I really loved um, The Love of My Life by Rosie Walsh. It's a thriller. And I like to read thrillers. I could never write a thriller. My brain doesn't go that way, but oh gosh, do I love them. But the language in this book makes me think that we all need to work harder to, I mean, she's British, you know, she uses beautiful words. We need to work harder with language because her language is just, it, it wraps itself around you. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Sometimes I wonder if we have gotten lost in the language of emojis. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot more to our feelings than can be encapsulated in just a, a frowny face or a, a shrug. I don't know. And that's why reading is important. Reading makes us think about language. Annabelle, it's been fabulous chatting with you. Thanks for coming on the show. And I wish you all the best with Nora Goes Off Script. 
I have a gut feeling it's going to be a very successful book. Oh, I love your gut. Oh, I hope your gut is right. I'm very excited about it too. So thank you. You've been listening to my conversation with Annabelle Monaghan, talking about her latest book, Nora Goes Off Script. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mandy Jackson Beverly. And check out my website at mandyjacksonbeverly.com. And if you'd like to contribute to the coffee fund, go to thebookshoppodcast.brassprout.com, click on the little orange heart in the right-hand corner of the page, and you can donate using PayPal. Your contributions support the production and editing costs of the show. For information regarding sponsoring an episode, email thebookshoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Theme music provided by Brian Beverly.